champions, rest in peace. And that was the ceremonial 10 count in honor of Patrick Day, who tragically lost his life due to his injuries sustained just a few weeks ago in Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the Front Proof Nation podcast. I'm Joseph Correa, and I'm here with Hector Franco. Everybody out there listening, since this tragedy, the boxing world has one thing on its mind, and that is what can we do to prevent this from happening again in the future? What can be done? What should be done? Max Pekellerman from ESPN weighed in on this a little bit. Let's take a look at what he thinks can be done to help prevent this from happening in the future. For more on this, let's welcome in Max Kellerman, host of First Take, host of Max on Boxing. No one at this network knows more about the sport than he. Max, I have to ask you straight away, when you heard the news about Patrick Day, what was your reaction? Um, <clears throat> this has been happening, happening a lot in boxing. Um, uh, I could say recently there have been a string of ring fatalities, um, but there have also been a string of re- ring fatalities you know, last year and the year before and the year before and ever since I started watching boxing and ever since people put on gloves to box. It is a very dangerous sport. Um, and, and as many precautions as we've taken in recent years, you know, the fights were cut down from 15 rounds to 12 rounds years ago, and that was on best medical advice. Um, the fact of the matter is it will always be a part of boxing. And um, I... You know, boxing people go to great lengths to try to defend the sport. It, it teaches discipline. It takes kids off the street. And when something like this happens, I, there's, there's really no um, defending the kind of uh, exploitative nature of the sport and dangers in the sport, inherent in boxing. But, um, you know, and, and I'll mention this on Max on Boxing tomorrow, but mm-hmm. rather than wax poetic about how beautiful it is and what we find compelling about it, we just have to acknowledge that, that it is, there's, there's a, a lot to not like about it, and yet we love it anyway. So in that acknowledgement, and you mention how it's difficult to sort of legislate what happens in the ring to make it safer, is there something you look at in this, in other situations, and say, yes, but there might be something we can do to, to maybe add an additional layer of safety? Well, particularly because the fight did not, you know, I, be, if you've watched boxing your whole life, as I have, you can usually tell up oh, something's not so good is going to happen here. I've called fights, one on this network years ago, where from the fifth round on, I was saying, Batavian Scotland died of injury sustained in the fight. Um, this fight needs to be stopped. This is the kind of fight where something dangerous could happen. Usually, that's a guy with a big heart and a really good chin, takes a good punch, against another fighter who's just better than he is, but isn't a big puncher. So there's no obvious time for the referee to stop the fight. So the guy just takes sustained beating to the head over round, 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 you know, round after round. That's a ring tragedy type fight. That wasn't this. It was a good, tough fight. But Patrick Day had his moments. And it wasn't ever the kind of fight where I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And it happened, you know, nevertheless. I would say if I had to make one change in boxing, 
I would change it from, from weighing in the day before the fight to weighing in day of. Originally, it was changed weighing in day of because fighters would lose too much weight day of the fight and then, and then rehydrate. They'd lose all the weight to make the weight, then they rehydrate for the fight. And the feeling was that's too much in a 20, you know, so close to the fight and injuries are happening as a result. The body can't take punishment the same way when you dehydrate and rehydrate like that. So they pushed the weigh into the day before, but it had the unintended consequence of fighters now going, oh wait, now I have more than 24 hours to put the weight back on, great. I'll campaign in an even lighter division than okay. I ought to campaign mm. and take 20 pounds of water weight off and put that back. So I think it actually exacerbated it. I'd like to see weigh-ins go back to day of. Couple seconds left here. I don't think people always realize some of these fights where people have died, they happen in America, but others happen in other jurisdictions, other countries. Is there anything that can be done to try to make everybody work on a uniform standard? Very difficult in boxing to do that. And, and um, and I, I hate to digress from the question, but I want to say something about Patrick Day. Mark Kriegel has a, um, has an, uh, a piece up on ESPN.com right now. Patrick Day's father is a doctor. Mm. His mother was so against the violence in boxing and the danger, she couldn't watch him fight. She didn't let him fight at first. I know what that's about. My own mother wouldn't let me go to the gym after Dooku Kim was killed in a fight against Ray Mancini. And all these op-eds came out how dangerous boxing is. And... All their fears were realized here. You know, a, a kid who had options, who could have done other things with his life. Um, you know, this kind of tragedy befalls him. And yet Patrick Day was a kid who loved boxing yeah. and pursued his passion. And, um, and um, it's, a, it's a really tragic story without an easy answer. And of course, the boxing world's thoughts are with Patrick Day's loved ones. So many questions about this fight, the situation, what could have been done, but so few answers. As you mentioned, our thoughts and prayers are with his family. And Max, thank you for your time. Thanks for watching ESPN on YouTube. For more sports highlights and analysis, be sure to download the ESPN app. And for live streaming sports and premium content, Subscribe to ESPN+. Plus. That was Max Kellerman on ESPN's show, Outside the Lines, giving us his thoughts on what can be done to help prevent tragedies like what happened to Patrick Day. Now, Max's take is that he believes that we should reinstitute same-day weigh-ins um, to kind of stop guys from maybe taking advantage and fighting in weight classes that they shouldn't be fighting in. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like a same-day weigh-ins going back to that can actually help prevent some of these tragedies? Absolutely. I've said this for a while because with day-before weigh-ins, just like Max alluded to, you have guys who now are like, well, I can even take even more time to make the weight and you know I'll just take a couple extra weeks in training camp or whatever and I'll fight at a weight class even lower and have even more of an advantage here's the problem with that when you're cutting weight and water weight you're also cutting weight from the brain like or water from the brain rather and there's speculation right now that that is causing some of these tragic brain injuries because the brain is hitting the side of the skull as a result of being punched in the head and it's it's causing fighters to not be able to recover. They're hemorrhaging. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, as the old boxing adage states, there's two fights. Uh, there's one on the weight scale and there's one fought in the ring. So, you know, this is definitely going to be an ongoing discussion as we move forward and as this podcast continues. So this isn't anything that we will stop talking about. You know, if you have any thoughts and concerns, please message us at our social media at Front Proof Media at hashtag Ask Front Proof. Um, so we can definitely, you know, put that on the show. Also, if you're looking to contribute and, you know, maybe a assist with Patrick Day and his family and friends left behind a GoFundMe will be linked at our website at www.frontproofmedia.com and our social media links through Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So definitely, I think from my take, you know, this isn't a black and white issue. This is going to be a gray issue and hopefully um, commissions worldwide and, you know, not even worldwide. I, I I would be surprised, you know, just Florida to Georgia, for example, state to state, you know, hopefully they can come together and, and pull some kind of uniformity in rules to help prevent this from happening. Um, but moving to slightly better news, uh, we've gotten a slight update on Errol Spence Jr. Um, it looks like that um, he did not sustain any you know, life-threatening injuries. He posted on his Instagram stories that, you know, he didn't break any bones, um, but a video did happen to surface, and it's not a good look for him. No, not at all. He was in the club with a bunch of people surrounding him, and he was clearly inebriated. Now, I don't know if they were his friends, fans, but no one should have allowed him to get into a vehicle and try to drive home that night because it was clear that this man was trash and in no condition to try to drive a vehicle, let alone get in a vehicle. Yeah, and a Ferrari at that. Yeah, but you <laughs> you have Uber, you have Lyft, you have taxis. You got friends, hopefully. Uh, he needs new friends. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's, it's crazy that someone at his level, someone that's in the public eye, someone that's an icon to children and has fans worldwide, would do something so irresponsible. Now, I understand we're human. Yeah. You know, people go, they drink, they party. I'm not bashing that. But to do that and then get into a vehicle, he walked away. He did. Yeah. What happens if he would have hit someone else and killed someone or injured someone? Yeah. Now it's a whole different discussion. Yeah, I mean, so we, we thought he was lucky. We thought he was lucky that he didn't get injured. We thought he was lucky that there was no life-threatening or career-threatening injuries. But no, that wasn't the lucky part. The lucky part was that nobody else got injured. The lucky part is that Ferrari didn't hit and crash into anybody else. Somebody could have been walking down the street and got hit, man. So, you know, definitely something that we'll, you know, we'll keep an eye out on and keep updates on as the, um, you know, as the time goes by. There is some rumor and innuendo online, mostly on Facebook, that maybe the injuries that Spence sustained are kind of being downplayed. Um, however, you know, that's nothing that we can verify here at Front Proof Nation. So, you know, we can only report on what's given to us. So it's something that we'll keep the, you guys updated on for all our listeners. Now, he was charged with a DWI. Uh, that's right. That's right. Which he is was. driving while intoxicated. So what are the penalties for that? How is that going to affect his boxing career? Is that going to set him back? Is that going to cause him issues going forward? We don't know right now. Not at all. 
but some sort of punishment needs to be handed down. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I could see him probably, you know, since he is a public figure, he'll probably be sentenced to do a lot of community service, I'm assuming. Um, but, you know, that that's something that he has chosen. And because this isn't the first time he's been on video inebriated. Yeah, not We've at all. We've seen him inebriated before on video. So this may have been something that he had to learn the hard way, and hopefully he will have. And let's make this clear. We're not dogging Errol Spence. This is anybody. If anybody did this, we would talk about it the same way. Our responsibility is to report it as it is. And this is not acceptable. For someone that's in his position and clearly inebriated to the point that he was, he shouldn't have done anything anything like he did driving that night that's ridiculous period moving on to uh this past friday night in philadelphia pennsylvania we had the first in boxing history two undefeated world champions unified in the light heavyweight division as IBF light heavyweight champion Arter Better Biev took on WBC light heavyweight champion Alexander Gavadzik. And uh, it looks like from your prediction, Joseph, you had it right down to the T. Man, but it was a great fight. It was a great fight. Gotta be it honest, it, it was a great fight. Both men came to fight. They lived up to the billing and, and gave the fans a great fight for it being a first unification between two undefeated fighters in that division. Absolutely. Now, I said it in the last episode. Better Biev was going to wear down Vodzik, and that's exactly what he did because Vodzik came into the fight throwing jabs to the body, throwing jabs to the head. He landed some great right hands. Clean right hands. Yeah, Clean. He, he was sharp. Really he really had better be off balance. I think him and uh, Bivol are probably the two sharpest punchers in the division for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But just like I said, better Biev, that unrelenting pressure and that power, it's hard to deal with. And, mm. and, and right now, you asked me last week, do you think he's the best in the division? Or if he wins this fight, do you think he's the best? After seeing a performance like that, I have to say, yes, he is the best in the division, not just politically. Last week I said politically he would be because he's the only unified champion at the light heavyweight, in the light heavyweight division rather. But after seeing that performance against a fighter of that caliber in Vatsik, yeah, he's the best. He, I, I definitely would rank him number one. In fact, at the time of the stoppage, uh, he was behind on two scorecards. Uh, two of the ju- two of the three judges had an 87-84, another 86-85 for Gavadzik, while one other judge had an 87-83 in the favor of Better Biev at the time of the stoppage. And he did drop Gavadzik three times in the 10th and final round of that bout. Um, as far as what we can look forward to for Better Biev, you know, just last week, Dimitri Bivol defended his WBA light heavyweight title against Lennon Castillo, came out unscathed, won a easy 12 round unanimous decision do you see because for me personally i was wrong on my prediction about gavatic better be but after this performance i think that better be would likely do the same thing to bivol 
Yeah, but before I give my prediction, I want to listen to the great Jimmy Lennon Jr. announce the winner of this past weekend's contest. Gentlemen, we have the time of 2 minutes 49 seconds in round number 10. Our referee in charge, Gary Rosado, stops the contest. He is the winner by way of technical knockout. He is still undefeated. He is now the IBF and WBC light heavyweight champion of the world, Arthur Better Be. I think Lennon said it all, man. <laughs> yeah. um, you asked if he could beat Bivol or what I see in that fight. I see a lot of the same that we saw in the Vodzik fight. Yeah, me too. Bivol that has shown up in his last couple fights hasn't been the dominant force he was previously. Now, I'm not saying he can't return to that. Obviously, he has the skill to do so, but can he deal with that unrelenting pressure and power of Betterbiev because he's like a freight train. He just keeps coming and keeps coming and doesn't look like he can be hurt, really. He's been knocked down before, but he knocked that man out. The so man, The man looks like a giant Russian version of a Margarito at times, just a guy who just keeps coming forward, hammers you down, and... Can't be hurt. I mean, this guy, he, he's been knocked down in other fights, so I think that would be something that we would look to to see if Bivol could hurt better BF. But, you know, I, I don't think Bivol is a, a bigger puncher than Gavadzic. And then you have the prospect of a Canelo Kovalev fighting him, the winner of Canelo Kovalev. Um, I'm not sure either of those men can beat him either because Canelo... Though I think he'd box circles around Betterbiev if they were to fight, can he deal with the power and unrelenting pressure of a Betterbiev? Can he hurt Betterbiev? Can he keep him off him? Those are the questions that have to be answered because Canelo is a middleweight. Exactly. He's going up the light heavyweight, but that doesn't make him a light heavyweight. Not at all. Not until so, we see him in the ring on November 2nd to see how he does. Exactly. We don't yeah. even know if he can beat Kovalev. It's a question mark. Can he beat him skill-wise? Absolutely. It can be any given night that anyone can beat. These guys are professionals. Right. But can he beat a bigger man, a bigger, stronger man like that? And we're going to find out because Kovalev is no pushover. Not at all. And, and in fact, if Kovalev were to defeat Canelo, Kovalev and Better B have actually fought a number of times in the amateurs. Now, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and you know, fans out there, you could correct me, message us if I'm wrong. Better B have scored a couple stoppage wins in the amateurs against Kovalev. So that might be, uh, you know, something to get one of, he wants to get revenge on. But as far as the prospect of Better B have against Canelo, We've all seen Canelo improve fight after fight, but one thing that still sticks out to me, and because he's been facing better competition, it hasn't been as highlighted as it was in the past, but the man still fights sometimes 90 seconds of every round. He doesn't fight all three minutes. So if he's going to fight a big man like Better Biev, who's going to be coming forward for all three minutes, it might not be good news for the redhead. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and not only that, Canelo is the A-side in boxing. Not uh, just period. that fight, 
just in boxing, no question. He, he's the cash cow. Do you take on a better BF who's not going to generate the kind of income you're used to? Yes, fans are going to love that fight, and it's going to draw a lot of fan interest, but is it going to make the money that Canelo's looking for, particularly for a fight that's that dangerous? So that's another thing to consider. Is it is the risk worth the reward? So if it's for his legacy, absolutely. But he doesn't need that fight because he can always go down, fight Triple G again, and get a big payday. Mm-hmm. There's the Charlo, Charlo uh, fight. fight. He, even Derivianchenko, people would like that fight either. Andrade. Right now, Andrade, a Callum Smith at 168. Canelo has something that a lot of other fighters don't. And simply put, that's options. And when you have options like Canelo does, at the end of the day, you can pick and choose who and when you want to fight somebody. But we're not at, we're not answering the question, who does Better Biev want to fight? I think Better Biev is willing and able to take on any and all comers. And I think he's kind of stated and alluded to that in his post-fight interview. Yeah, let's hear what he had to say about that. Bivol has a title. Kovalev and Canelo fight. Who do you want to fight next? Doesn't matter. Anyone. Anyone. I'm focused for title, not for name, you know. Well, you've got two, and you can call them all out now. Yes. Thank you very much, Joe. You know, it's, you know, when I got second belt, I'm plus motivation now, you know. I'm, I'm now, you know, I, I do, like, training, like, so-so. Now I do very hard, you know. I will do. Yeah, that's scary for the rest of the division. Thank you very much. He said that now that he's got both belts, he's going to train even harder. So if this man wasn't training as hard as he should have been or could have been, what kind of monster is he going to be when he trains his hardest? Hey, I I can't wait to see it if that's actually the case. You know, I actually saw an interview with him and better be if it's one of those, and this happens, you know, quite a bit, but he's actually not a huge boxing fan himself. He doesn't really follow the sport like that. So it's interesting to see that he actually takes the the sport of boxing as a job for him. So to hear that, I can believe that he might put more emphasis on his training now that he's a unified champion and kind of, you know, reaping the rewards of his hard work. Absolutely. Now, speaking of unification bouts, this weekend at the O2 Arena in Greenwich, United Kingdom, we have a unification bout between New Orleans Regis Prograce, who I believe holds the WBA 140-pound championship, taking on Josh Taylor of Scotland, and he holds the IBF Super Lightweight World Championship in the World Boxing Super Series Finals. Now, this is one of the most anticipated fights of the year. Um, This is going to determine... Likely the best fighter at 140 pounds, although Jose Ramirez, who's also a unified champion, holds the WBC and WBO titles, might have something to say about that. Do you feel, now most fans have this as a 50-50 bout, how do you see this bout going? Do you feel like Prograce is in a position to win? He's not only in a position to win, this could do a hell of a lot for his career. Oh, yeah. Because he's on the rise. One of the best interviews in the sport. Yeah, he's on the rise. And people are taking notice of the things that he's doing. He's a good kid. He's strong. 
He comes to fight. And a win here could really catapult Prograis into some big fights. I know there's been talks of him moving up to 47. Mm, Yep. And what better way to catapult him than a WRA World Boxing Super Series Ali Trophy win? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we saw what it did for Usyk. We saw before that, a generation before, what it did for Andre Ward with the not the uh, World Boxing Super Series, but, uh, you know, his tournament that was done in Showtime. So it's definitely a fight, you know, we're looking forward to uh, this weekend. And also this weekend in another action-packed fight or potentially action-packed fight, we have the undefeated Shakur Stevenson taking on Joette Gonzalez for the vacant WBO featherweight world title in Reno, Nevada. Now, there's a lot of hype. In this fight between the two men, there's been a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of bad blood. These two guys do not like each other at all. Now, Stevenson is obviously the more well-known prospect. In fact, I'll go as far as at the Keith Thurman Media Day workout before his fight with Manny Pacquiao. I won't state his name. He's a good friend of mine, but hopefully we'll have him on the show in the future. He stated that he believes Shakur Stevenson can be one of the greatest fighters to ever step in the ring. Now, he's had some really good performances. Most recently, I think his performance against Christopher Diaz was surprising to me, and I thought it was well beyond his age. He's only 22 years old. I mean, do you think Stevenson is a lock to win a world title this weekend? I think he should win. Should win. Should win. You know, but this is boxing. Right. Anything can happen. Right. I have to be the first to admit, when Stevenson came out, everyone said he's the next Andre Ward, he's the next Floyd Mayweather, he's the next yada, yada, yada. I didn't think that. I thought, you know, he's good, but he has no power. And in his first couple fights... They were kind of lackluster. He didn't really show much. When the Christopher Diaz fight was announced, I can remember clearly telling you and others that this may be too early for this kid. Because Christopher Diaz, uh, though he is limited in spots, he's a tough kid with power, uh, and he can fight. Yeah, and he he kept coming. He keeps coming. Yeah. we saw him live against Masayuki uh, Ito. Um, one of the best fights we ever saw, yeah, seen live. Live, one of the best atmospheres. That was in Kissimmee, Florida, which yeah. if you don't know, that's little Puerto Rico. I think that's official or something. Just the way they were acting, they're giving out oh, it is. tostones hey, and uh, alcapugias after hey, the fight. Listen, do you know that, a little off topic, but did you know that they have Disney Ricans? That's an official nah. coin term, yes, because <laughs> I believe either Kissimmee or Orlando has more Puerto Ricans per capita than anywhere else in the United States. Yeah, I, I think um, New York and Orlando are the two biggest metropolitan areas for Puerto Ricans. But I think it's yeah. Orlando's the number one. Damn. They call them I didn't even Dis- know that. Disney Ricans. That's crazy. I didn't even and know about that. And we saw it that night. Oh, yeah. No, we it saw was, it. That was the loudest. Puerto Rico was in full effect. Was that, that not the loudest crowd and most raucous and hype crowd we've ever been around when yeah. we're covering a fight? I mean, that was crazy. And, and you know how it is when you 
cover a fight and it's in a smaller arena, the audience is going to be so much louder. The acoustics there are going to make it seem so much louder. So that's kind of the experience we had in watching uh, Christopher Diaz and Masayuki Ito fight. But, you know, as far as Shakur Stevenson, you know, I, I personally don't see this. Uh, I, I don't know if I see a pound for pound entrant at this time. Um, you know, I want to see him against other guys. I want to see guys face adversity a little bit. I want to see how they react to that. I want to everything can't be a 12 0 wash. You know what I mean? So I definitely think that. This upcoming weekend, I don't know if Top Rank would have put Shakur in with a guy who would have been a bad style matchup for him. You know, um, optically, this is a great matchup because they've been able to promote it um, because the two guys have bad blood. But, you know, for me, Stevenson, just like I'm not quick to, you know, get on the bandwagon. So I think Stevenson, you know, is for me, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll if, he, if he wins, who yeah. would you like to see him in there against? Well, if he wins, he, I believe, might be on the wrong side of the tracks, man. Like, you know, the other fe- champions at Featherweight, who do we got? Gary Russell Jr., Leo Santa Cruz moved up to 130. I mean, hey, the guy who vacated the WBO featherweight title, Oscar Valdez, who's a, a great fighter in himself, you know, one of the most exciting fighters in the sport, um, he moved up to 130 pounds. So I I could see that happening to Shakur as well. You know, it's kind of a trend with top rank and the WBO, you know, for a lot of their fighters to win that title in the division, maybe defend it once or twice, then move up. You know, Mikey Garcia did that. Lomachenko did that afterwards. So I, in my opinion, I I see that him following that same trend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not ready to coin him as the next big thing either. I do think he has been impressive. I have to to say that. He's impressed me more than I thought he would. Initially, I thought that the best Olympian coming out was Tiafimo Lopez because he has been really, really, really impressing with his wins. That's I, I'm glad you brought that up because last week... It was now we knew about this before last week, but it was officially announced, set in stone, on December fourteenth. He will be on the undercard of Terence Crawford's WBO welterweight title defense against the Mean Machine, and I call him that because I don't want to butcher his name. Uh, but Teofimo Lopez will be getting his first opportunity at a world title against IBF lightweight champion Richard Comey out of Ghana. Do you think, based on Lopez's last performance, that he will take out Comey? I think it's going to be a tough fight. I think it'll be the toughest fight to date for Lopez. I do think he has the skill to make it happen. But, you know, he's going to have to put it all together that night. I think, you know, it's not going to be a walk in the park. No, not at all. I think Comey is definitely one of the toughest outs that you can have in the lightweight division. Um, He's shown that he has skill and above all, he's tough and he has the height and reach advantages as well over Lopez. So I'm definitely looking forward to that night of boxing. You know, it should be a good night for all boxing fans. You know, to just kind of put a cap on everything for this episode, you know, once again, Anything, any questions, thoughts, concerns, please tag us at Ask Front Proof so we can get back to you at all of our social medias, including Twitter and most importantly, Instagram. Uh, Any other closing thoughts for us, Joseph? 
None at all. Just make sure to hit us up at Front Proof Media on Twitter and Instagram. The actual podcast on Instagram is at Front Proof Nation. Mm -hmm. Send us any of your questions so that we can answer them on the air. Also, I want to apologize. We were supposed to have a special guest on this week. They had to cancel due to unforeseen circumstances. However, we believe that next week we will have that special guest on. You guys are going to want to tune in for this, this person. And we look forward to bringing you much more in the coming weeks. Remember, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, so iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and anywhere else that you listen to your podcasts. Uh, We really appreciate you sticking with us. And with that being said, we're out. And we'll see y'all next week.